Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome everybody to the final episode of our past apocalypse season. Uh, my name is Adrian. I'm joined for this special uh, ranking of the apocalypse by my co-host Rod Barnett. Hello, Rod. Hello. How do you feel now that we've uh, reached the end of the wastelands? Well, I have checked myself. I don't have any uh, radiation sores that I'm aware of. I still have what little hair on top of my head still remains. Um, mm -hmm. so I feel as if we may have got, oh, wait, no, a toenail has fallen off. Perhaps something <laughs> did stay with me. This is not a good thing. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, I'll check on it later. Everyone ignore the blood. Uh, I yeah. feel like we made it through, uh, being entertained as always by these films. I think we, I think we mm. came out, I think we came out of this, uh, smiling. Thank goodness. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think I have, uh, grown any extra fingers or toes, but I may, <laughs> I may have developed psychic powers. Well, so, that's uh, terrifying. Sort of, yeah, all, all good, really. So what we're going to do, I'm going to ask you, Rod, to go first, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. And give us your top 10. Well, I mean, it obviously, it's only 10. The order of the 10, <laughs> um, according to whatever sort of metric you choose. But if you can sort of give us the films and your reasoning for your choices. Certainly, certainly. And then I'll, and then I'll do mine. So go ahead. Um, I think near the bottom of my list, there will be some surprises. Okay. I think that without a doubt, uh, I have to give uh, Pride of Place the number one slot to The 10th Victim. I think it's oh. uh, it's such a very different kind of film from the others that it stands out in a, in a number of different ways. But The 10th Victim to me is, um, while it does fit the category of post-apocalyptic film in a lot of different ways... It is also an exceptionally well-made film that's got a lot on its mind that I think is uh, is one that um, fits very comfortably both within the art house and the, the exploitation world to a degree. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's one that um, is uh, it, it's, it's a good surprise for people who maybe have never 
checked it out. And of course, all of the things yeah. that, uh, all the things that it influenced as we went through all these other films from realization that yeah. uh, maybe some people are being influenced by the 10th victim and may not even be aware that they're being influenced by it because the influence that they think they're drawing on was something that was originally inspired by the 10th victim. So mm. number one there for me. Uh, number two, and remember, this is all just based on the amount that I enjoyed these movies. Okay. Number two, 20, 2019, After the Fall of New York. I love that movie. Oh, yeah. Absolutely love that movie from head to toe. It is completely insane. It has all the faults and all the virtues of these films, and I absolutely mm-hmm. love it from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, another film, and, and, and it's one that I've, I've known for years, and so it kind of has a, a nostalgic glow for me as well. The same is true of number mm-hmm. three, Warriors of the Year 2072, although I think we both agree that um, it may or may not necessarily be a post-apocalyptic film. Maybe it's just in the future, but... Um, yeah. Still a movie that I really, really enjoy and uh, have a, a lot of affection for. Number four, Bronx Warriors. Just mm. an unescapable classic of the genre. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, such, a, such a good film. Such, a, such an entertaining movie, uh, regardless of the, the, the inherent flaws that, that come with this genre, no matter what you do. I love the Bronx Warriors. I, 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 I want to grab it and hug it and tell it that I love mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. Uh, number five, a uh, little bit, probably going to be some surprises here. 2020 Texas Gladiators. I really do enjoy that movie. Yeah. There's a lot in Texas Gladiators to uh, to, to get me on its side. Uh, and it, uh, it certainly serves its perfect purpose as being part of the post-apocalyptic genre. And I'm sorry, it's just super entertaining. I, I get yep. a kick out of it. Number yep. six. Uh, a little bit of a surprise here. Uh, Exterminators of the Year 3000. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, not mm. as familiar with it, but my goodness, did it do its job effectively. Uh, number seven, Endgame. Always enjoy Endgame. I still think the poster art is better than the movie. But Oh, absolutely. But I, I, I think that with poster art like Endgame <laughs> has, that would just have to be true. But I do yeah. love Endgame, so it's number seven. Mm-hmm. Number eight. A man called Rage. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a new one to me. It's one that uh, you know, seeing it many years after its production date uh, may have enhanced it in a certain way because I come to it with a lot of knowledge of the genre on top of just the film itself. And it Mm -hmm. it certainly has all of the standard flaws that you would expect from the genre. But Man Called Rage, a lot of great action sequences, very well filmed. Very once the action kicks in every time it's it's an effective film and you can't take your eyes off of it man called rage yeah. surprised me yeah and a very good looking uh heroic hero no. in the lead role this is true this is true <laughs> uh yeah. number nine uh, mm-hmm. raiders of atlantis not a f- i've never been a big fan of raiders of atlantis and going back to it and, and watching it on blu-ray has not made me a bigger fan of it I'm not saying mm-hmm. I can't enjoy watching Raiders of Atlantis. I kind of mm-hmm. do. But at the same time, it has so many freaking problems. It's so <laughs> discombobulated. None of the pieces really fit together. And it becomes it becomes so distracting as I watch the movie every time. Raiders of Atlantis is just not a favorite for me, folks. And then I'm going right. to round oh. it out with our most recent film, The Final Executioner, simply because at least... 
at least with Raiders of Atlantis, there's some entertainment to be had to to, to, to spot yeah. ridiculous things like the fact that the supposedly stone floor is clearly a piece of plastic they've painted because it's bunching up where people step. <laughs> but in the final executioner, <laughs> there's just not as much to enjoy, and it feels as if mm. you know parts of the movie didn't make it into the final print and some ideas kind of got left to the side so yeah at least with Raiders of Atlantis they managed to have access to the uh, Mad Max costume shop yes and, whereas and, that was obviously that had gone out of business by the time the last executioner was made yes exactly uh and then <laughs> so the final executioner comes up at the end but at the same time I know that one day down the road I will probably rewatch even the final executioner just for giggles so uh that would be the yeah. order in which I would rate these films right I, well, that was good. Okay, some interesting choices there. It'd be, I'd very much like to hear from uh, anyone listening who wants to tell us their thoughts on on that. Um, now, I've gone for a slightly different approach this time. Oh, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start at ten. That's that's my first difference. But I've also listed these in the order of which film worlds I would like to live in. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Again, so so it's interesting. There's some correlation and some difference with yours. So in 10, The Last Executioner. It's a dreary, depressing world of Italian villas and abandoned factories, and no one seems the slightest bit happy. Yeah, true. No, they are all depressed. There's a bit we didn't mention when we covered that film. Um, they've all raped and killed this woman. And then there's another scene where this young boy, he's again there's something that they didn't tell us he's got this thing on his head that allows him to watch on a screen his memories of what he just saw or something and he's sitting there with his eyes transfixed on the footage of people raping this woman on the screen which they never showed in the film but the, you know at the time it was done off camera but then he's like reliving it by having this mind probe it's like a weird bit of future tech that they never talk about again. Yeah. It's so, so strange. So no one's happy, not even the, the, the rapist, murderer, hunter guys. So that's at number 10. I don't want to live there. Okay. Number nine, exterminators of the year 3000. Mm-hmm. Um, there's basically a lack of water and we kind of need water. So I'm not sure I want to live in a world where I have to fight just to have a drink. Which, ironically, is probably the world that we're all going to end up living in the most. If we're not careful. Out of all of these things, yeah. The way things are going. The world is on fire, people. So, yeah, maybe I need to come to terms with that. But at the moment, that's number nine. Number eight, 2019, after the fall of New York, you do get to drive around in uh, cool cars and stuff, but New York is full of mutants. <laughs> like uh, like big Big Ape and King Rat and... They just seem like difficult people to get on with, so I'm not sure I'd want to live there. <laughs> yeah, there's not a, not a lot of negotiating with them, Mr. No. Next, um, I chose A Man Called Rage for number seven because basically it seems like it could be quite fun because, you know, yes, there are bad guys and life is quite difficult, but m- the bad guys spend most of their time disco dancing. So... <laughs> You okay, know, if, fair point. Fair point. The the villains of their prime and their prime concern is where they're going to get their next uh, vinyl from, rather than <laughs> anything else. So that doesn't seem too bad. Uh, the next film, number six, twenty twenty Texas Gladiators. Um, so the people of Freetown. Do you remember how 
it starts out where they're all wearing leathers dressed like Mad Max, but then, you know, cut to a couple of months later and they're all living in Freetown, working in the factory and they're just wearing regular overalls and stuff like that. Uh So it's like, oh, they didn't have to wear all that leather stuff after all. So they seemed quite happy until obviously the evil Nazi people came along and um, destroyed it. But I feel like that seemed like if you could be part of the good society of Freetown, you'd have a good time. Uh, number five, Raiders of Atlantis, because basically it's just the normal world. Yeah. But yeah. but there is the, the there is that worry that the Atlanteans might come back at any moment. So you know you you can't relax. Yeah, I mean Raiders of Atlantis is essentially supposedly 1990, so that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. So, so it's fine unless the Atlanteans come back. Um, so number four, I chose Endgame. Okay. As long as you as long as you don't have to play Endgame, and you're not a mutant. Life is generally not too bad, and there's some quite entertaining stuff on the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are a mutant, at least you get to hang out with Laura Gemza. <laughs> well, okay, I, yeah, you're you're right. I hadn't thought about that. It's true. So that's a number four. Number three, 1990, The Bronx Warriors. Now it's quite a scary world, but I want to be the guy who sits by the dock playing the drums <laughs> to underscore all gang confrontations. Your percussion skills are going to save you, is what you're saying. Yeah. So that's where I would be. I'd just be there drumming away all day whenever there's some something going down between uh, George Eastman and, um, uh, what's his name, Trash. So your so, your mu- your musical accompaniment, I understand. Yeah, so that's yes. it. So that's, that's my role in that world. So number two, Warriors of the Year 2072. Mm-hmm. It's a futuristic kind of cool world um, where it seems like life is probably not too bad as long as you're not one of the gladiators or as long as you don't work for TV because they all seem quite depressed. Um, or <laughs> yeah. in prison where you get made to... to be in the games so obviously it depends or you know maybe life is great and you're living in that big greenhouse kind of dome place having a lovely life but then they come and kill they come and kill your family and frame you for murder so maybe uh i've been a bit hasty putting that at number two um which of course leaves at number one uh, this is where rod you and i have top and tailed exactly the same way number one is the 10th victim ah. because is a pop art infused world where I think you're pretty safe as long as you're not actually playing the game. True, very true. And uh, you get to just enjoy that that uh, fantastic sixties sort of retro future world. And if you're lucky, Ursula Andress might just run past you as she's trying to shoot somebody. That would be that would be fine. I would be happy with that. Yeah. yeah. So that is my uh, my ranking. And uh, so very interesting that we both got the 10th victim and the last executioner at the top of the bottom. It is. Um, yes. And, and, yet, and yet our approaches were, were, were very different. Yeah. <laughs> very, very different. <laughs> I don't think it will surprise anybody that the last executioner was. At the, I think by any metric, it would end up being the last film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Unless unless we were listing them by how depressing they were, in which case it might do better. Uh, possibly but there you go so let us know um wh- you know which of the films you've seen and you know whether you would place any as higher or lower i mean i know it's basically ranking is kind of pointless exercise <laughs> of course but it does give you an excuse to just sort of look back at what you've been watching and 
and reflect on what you've learned from the experience. So it's it's, it's the joy of the compare and contrast, you know, and it's which, yeah. you know, which one you enjoyed more or which one, uh, your choice, of course, to, to decide which one would be the best to live in. That's a that's possibly yeah. a, a wiser way to, to, to look at these, the, the world <laughs> they present and whether or not you'd like to be within yeah. it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And speaking of worlds we may or may not want to live in, uh -huh. it's time for us to just quickly talk about our special bonus feature for this uh, season. We were begged by one person, but that's all it takes. Apparently, by, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. If you're listening, one person begging might probably do the trick. So Rich mentioned this months ago. We, we started this season in February, I should add. So it's been a while. Um, that, that a particular favorite for him was Warrior of the Lost World, which is kind of an Italian film, but with a, an American director and quite a lot of American cast, but oh. shot in Italy. Um, so eventually we figured, right, we'll stick it on the end. So you and I, as a special treat, we watched Warrior of the Lost World. Special treat. So that we could just talk about it here. Now, this is a film that I, as somebody who's not grown up uh, watching MS3, what's it called? MS3TK. <laughs> Mystery Science MST3K. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I believe this was uh, a bit of a treasured film uh, for, for aficionados of that, which now that I've seen the movie as is, I would like to see the MST3K version oh yeah yeah it, I, it, it enhances I bet the it's film. really funny yeah it enhances I, the film enormously i yeah. did read i did read that they call robert ginty's character sad max which <laughs> <laughs> well that when they're not just referring to him as the paper chase guy so uh so funny so this is a film directed by david worth starring robert ginty who does not have the right face for this kind of role. I, I mean, not wanting to, I'm not trying to body shame him or anything, but it's just, he doesn't have the looks for the sort of character he's he supposed to be playing. He has a baby face, which is why yeah. I've never been able to understand how he ended up in the the exploitation films that he did. Yeah, because of course, most people would know him from his, you know, what was it called again? Oh, <laughs> the the Executioner. That was good, wasn't it? We know him from... Uh, <laughs> from other things. Uh, yeah, so The Executioner, <laughs> um, which which is great, and he's very good in that. Um, slightly miscast, perhaps, this time. So I don't, we're not going to dig into it in lots of detail, but Donald Pleasance, it's worth watching just for... Do any film with Donald Pleasance in is worth watching, I would say. So that's the first thing. Um, Even if Donald Pleasance is relegated to acting all of his scenes in a single room. Yeah, wearing his costume from his James Bond days. It's like he, they asked him to bring it with him. Yes, yeah, like, do you still have the Blofeld costume from the yeah, late 60s? Bring that, that with you. So, yeah, so it's an interesting movie um, featuring um, a man who doesn't have a name. He's like the, the man, he is literally the man with no name. Yeah. He's just credited as the rider. And he is riding a super cool, tricked out, um, sort of night rider style motorbike that's got an onboard computer that talks. But for some inexplicable reason, it speaks like a five-year-old. I know. But then they oh. they added so much electronic distortion on it, you can't actually understand what it says. So that's it's a really odd uh, creative choice. 
It's, but he's very good. But he's riding his motorbike, and there's some great. I think there's some really good action scenes with him on that bike, and there's chases, and I think all that stuff was pretty good. I Didn't mean, you? it was it was it was okay. I just kept being annoyed by all the things in the film that are terrible. So, mm. well, why don't you tell us what what some of those were? <laughs> okay, well let's let's focus on uh, let's focus on the things that are uh, most obvious. It seems to me that possibly a full third of the dialogue in this movie was post synced uh as oh, if, yeah. especially at the beginning where i think they probably originally shot the film thinking that the idea is going to be to keep the character to keep the character as silent as possible through the opening mm. so that he, he remains this mysterious motorcycle rider we know nothing about but of course they undercut that in a way that i'll talk about in a second but the, the way they undercut the character is by having him actually speaking inane dialogue in response to the stupid things his super smart motorcycle says to him yeah and and, and it, it, it's his stu- delivery is very laconic right like he's like laid he's laid back to the point where you think is he going to fall asleep and just fall off the back of the motorbike right and, and, and it doesn't fit it would be much more uh, much more effective if he doesn't speak at all until later in the movie instead of saying well, uh, let's let's put it. Let, let's also say say something else. There is not a single line of dialogue uttered by Robert Ginty in this film. I mean, not one line of dialogue that isn't terrible. Hmm. That's not on him as an actor. That's on the fact that this dialogue. There, there's a fine line between laconic, uh, macho dialogue and stupid. <laughs> and this movie, for me flounders in the stupid category a lot and the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 dialogue is almost all bad except for when they kind of just let donald pleasance go berserk that's fun I, mm. I like i like listening to donald pleasance go berserk but the yeah the, the way this film okay i think the more the more i learned about this film's production the the more i just held my head in my hands and felt a felt a migraine coming on <laughs> Because it turns out that the film, David Worth was a guy who was a was a cinematographer. He'd done cinematography for a couple of Clint Eastwood films, and mm. then he got offered the chance to he he he'd come up with a story idea, presented it to an Italian producer, and the producer went, "Yeah, let's do that," and so brought him to Rome. He wrote up a forty-page treatment, showed it to the producer. Producer went, "Yeah, okay, start filming. You know, start filming in a couple of weeks." And he didn't even have a, you know, he didn't have a a fully written script and just immediately started like scouting locations and, and making this movie. And it shows in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways in which it shows is there's this large overarching story about the, 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 the society that this whole thing comes out of and almost all of the information that we're given about it. They had to shove into a star Wars type opening crawl. Oh man. That opening crawl is like reading an essay. It's amazing. Well, here, and here's the thing. <laughs> it's so I discovered long. by accident that there are two different versions of that opening crawl. One larger oh. and one smaller. Uh, the, the larger one actually kind of better explains all of the stupid stuff you need to do to understand, nice. to figure out what's going on. And the, I think that and, might be the one I saw then because it was really long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's probably the preferable one if you want to have some kind of knowledge about what you're actually looking at. And the shorter one you can find um, 
uh, on the print that is used by Mystery Science Theater, and where in, oh. in which the letters are also done in that trapezoid angled shape that the Star Wars opening crawls are done in. Um, oh right, which is which is hysterical, but it's also shorter and explains less of the of the silly right. weirdness that you're about to run into. But this does this really does have the 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 feel of a movie that was started for the wrong reasons without a finished script with no mm-hmm. real good idea of how they were going to do it by a young director who admittedly years later is fully willing to just own up and say yeah I probably shouldn't have made this movie but yeah the the um your your enjoyment of it I think will kind of just boil down to how how much of the how much of the cringy bad stuff in it you can deal with with to to get to the kind of semi amusing stuff that kind of trickles along? I, yep. What did you what did you think about the thing overall? I have to admit, I actually really enjoyed it. Really, because I did not. <laughs> yeah. I had forgotten. The first, I had forgotten. The first ten film. minutes or so, I thought, oh, this is going to be bad, but I did get sort of sucked into the story and it does go in some bizarre directions which mm. i sort of appreciated um and you know he sort of falls in love with this girl called nastasia and he meets these these kind of higher society of mystical people and then like fred williamson is just hanging around for some reason uh, um well, there's fred, some helicopter fred, stuff do you know why fred williamson's in the movie um, it's because he couldn't help help himself. No, no, he, no. He was already in Italy. He um, he ran across the writer director and talked him into writing him into the film, writing a part for him in the film, so he could spend another month in Italy. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, because he doesn't do much. He's only really in about three scenes. I know. I know. It's like there's one point where they're all heading for the big final battle, and then he says, "Oh, it's fine. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to stay with the helicopter." That's because they filmed all that other stuff before he arrived, or something. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I don't know. I I enjoyed it, and I did like. I thought some of the the cinematography. I mean, I think they must have had a pretty good second unit doing the action stuff because the action stuff is really good. I always worry whenever I see a helicopter involved in a low-budget Italian film. Yeah, yeah. Because I just, there's so many horror stories. Um, And there's quite a lot of actual quite good stunt work. And I think, you know, people actually jumping onto the helicopter. There's no stunt doubles and stuff. I will say, I agree with you about some of the action sequences. That's, that's Mm. true. Some of those are pretty, pretty effectively filmed and pretty interestingly shot. I give you, I'll give you. Yeah. And so this girl, um, Nastasia tries to get the rider to come and help her rescue her father. Who's about to be executed by the evil Omega, Mm -hmm. um, who are the sort of basically the Nazis because the, the Italian title for this film translates as the warrior in the year of the omega and the omega are yeah like the evil bad guys run by um prosser which is donald pleasance so she goes to rescue her father but then she gets left behind she gets caught herself and so then the rest of the film is going back again to rescue her this time um but one thing that's interesting is the actor playing her father was harrison muller senior yep who is the father of the bad guy in our last episode's film, The Final Executioner. So, and Harrison Muller himself, the junior, so the one who was in the last film, he's also in this yep. somewhere. He's got a, he's got but, a small role stuck in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the old guy that's playing Nastasia's dad, that's his dad. 
which I thought was quite fun. So the whole family are just hanging out in Italy making post-apocalypse films. Yeah, it, there's, I can see why this would be a very funny film to take the mickey out of, and I will, I will try and watch that version because I imagine this this film does offer you a lot of of comic potential, but quite, just on quite, its quite, own, quite a lot, yes. <laughs> but just on its own, I one thing I liked whenever like a car will go over a cliff but it will explode before it crashes. Don't know if you noticed that. There's a lot of that. Oh, my, my favorite is the very first car <laughs> that goes over a cliff and blows up because yeah. the explosion, the, the explosives were clearly set in the hood of the car and it and it's just this straight explosion straight out from the top of the car, ang, you know, angled for the downward yeah. trajectory of the vehicle. It's like I backed it up a couple of times. I was like, that's really amazing to see. It adds nothing yeah. to the film other than but just also, the they, joy of they watching explode. a car explode. But yeah. But they explode too soon. Like they haven't yes. even hit the bottom yet. Which I also was really funny. Like they've set the timers a bit too short. Well it's it's almost and... as if these cars if if they're if they're not if they're not kept at the right angle level to the ground, they'll just blow yeah. up. <laughs> That's what it is. They're just really dodgy cars. Um, so yeah, look, I, 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 I was pleasantly surprised. Again, it's got a great poster, but the uh, and which is obviously better than the film. But there's <laughs> yes. a lot of interesting stuff. There's some great sort of the, the the Omega have some good vehicles. This massive truck that's got all these spikes on the front, and there's a whole Indiana Jones thing where the hero has to slide underneath the truck. Um, so they were trying. So I think they they achieved more with this film under probably quite difficult circumstances than um, the final executioner did, yes, which was yes. also probably working under similarly. While, while at limited. the same time, I feel that they're at roughly the same level of quality. They're just <laughs> okay, fair enough. But that film, whereas that film was just depressing, at least this one is fun and has got Donald Pleasance in it. Uh, which as i said so is always a plus donald so pleasance bonus. is a major plus and i have to admit yeah. the fi- the final twist at the end yeah. is hilariously bad they it's like they have the gall to set it up for a sequel i know i know <laughs> it's amazing um which sadly sadly never came to pass there you go so those are our thoughts on warrior of the lost world so uh, if you also have films that you want us to watch, do get in touch and you never know, we might find a way to fit them in there somewhere. But that is it for this season. We're doing Jungle Girls next time. If you missed our last episode, go back and listen to the end of that one where we talk a bit more about that. But that will be coming up, our first episode of that, in, the, in two or three weeks, I would imagine. So uh, yeah, let us know your favourite Italian Jungle Girl movies. I bet you all have at least one and that's it so enjoy uh the rest of whatever's left of the summer by the time you listen to this <laughs> yes, um, yes thank you for sticking with us through this long and epic journey across irradiated wastelands i'm looking forward to getting into some verdant jungles where um you know we're less likely to have mutants but maybe more likely to get killed by tigers and stuff i don't know yes yes it's time for it's time for a bit of jungle eroticism thank you very yeah, much yeah we just seem to be going from one dangerous environment to another here so <laughs> but luckily only anyway. only through the world of cinema thank goodness yes. exactly all right thanks everybody get in touch in all the usual ways and uh or don't <laughs> if you don't that's also fine we'll just be ready to talk to you in the next season uh 
that's a terrible ending but i'm just gonna i'm gonna own it uh i've been adrian it's okay and my name is rod thank you everyone for listening thanks everybody bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.